Napa know-how. Right now at Napa, grab a five-quart jug of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for just $28.99. It keeps out harmful sludge to help reduce wear on your engine, which is important if you like cars that, you know, run smoothly. So keep your engine healthy with Mobile One, now just $28.99. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices do not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 531.19. Shut up and sit down. topic and I went into my new headquarters and Facebook and did a little poll and that's what happened. Uh, but you know what though, I should just put and lubrication on the end of every single one of my topics because somehow, some way, we end up discussing lube or sex toys in the midst of this radio show. So you know, I should just give in and just label them all sex toy. Sex toy, sex toy, sex toy. Just just get it over with. Sex toy, vibrator, dildo. <clears throat> just stop even thinking about it because it's never going to be any different. Anyways, <clears throat> I have to go on record and say that um, <laughs> one thing I noticed in historical gay fiction is the author's need to explain lubrication and having lubrication. Let's clear that up right now. You can call it a cream or an oil if you're in a historical setting and no one's going to say anything. And two, any man who has gay sex regularly, penetrative gay sex regularly, is going to keep oil or cream near or on his person. You don't need to tell your reader that. It's they know it. It it's just there. You don't have to spend your time figuring out where the oil came from, if it's olive oil, which normally it probably would be. You don't have to explain it. Don't waste your time that way and it's boring. It's it's boring information. No no reader wants that. Uh don't don't. Just don't. Cream or oil and you don't have to explain why your heroes packed it in a bag and is chucking it all over Middle Earth with it. Because if he's fucking in the ass, of course he's going to pack that. That's just something he would pack. Trust me. You don't forget the lube at home if you regularly take it in the ass. Or, alternatively, if you're regularly fucking someone in the ass, you don't forget the lube. So you don't have to go into a long-winded explanation as to why your hero or whoever in your scene has lubrication on them. Because it's common sense. Of course they do. Also, this is a good time to mention that in historical settings, that yes, you can use um, 
oils made from olive oil um, and the like. You can't use honey. No. No. No honey. Water is not an appropriate lube in any situation. <clears throat> what else? Um, so, yeah, if you're in a historical setting and you don't want to, just go with oil or cream. It's it's a simple explanation, and it, it doesn't require any kind of um, in-depth research. Olive oil. <laughs> For Chris, who seems to like the way I say that, but just um, that is actually the most common um, to have been used for that purpose. Uh, you don't want to use anything sticky or tacky, like honey or anything like that. You don't want to use a soap, especially soaps from historical periods, because that shit is mostly lie. Okay. L-Y-E, lie. You don't want to put lie on your intimate parts. You most certainly do not want to put lie in your ass <laughs> or anybody else's for that matter. Okay? It's terrible. Yes, they cut lye soap with other substances to make it more um, less strong on your uh, on the skin, but still, you don't want it in your body. So don't write it that way. Don't use any kind of soap. Um, and Dark is saying almond oil. Yes, almond oil was not as common as olive oil, but it was used. Um, there are several oils that can um, that were developed in historical times that were probably used for this purpose. So just don't. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, and you don't have to go into an eight-paragraph explanation as to why your hero is is carrying a to a, a tub of oil or um, cream because he just would. It's, it's just don't do that to your reader. Just just don't. <clears throat> Anyways, and also also there is no substitution for lubrication. Um, and I don't care if somebody is getting fucked in the ass every single day. Lubrication is still a requirement because even if even if the anal muscles are relaxed enough <clears throat> that you don't have to stretch and prepare the passage for anal sex, that skin does not produce any sort of lubrication on its own. And that sort of friction will fuck your dick up. Or your character's dick, as it might be. I don't actually have dick of my own. So, <laughs> you definitely need to oil your stuff up. Unless you're doing that self-lubricating Omega stuff, which is pretty interesting. But, you know, it the asshole does not self-lubricate unless you're, it's Alpha Omega Beta Fiction. And so you must, must, must use some kind of lubrication to avoid friction burns. Um... And no, honestly, a little burn is nice, a lot of burn is not. This is across the board, whether it's vaginal sex or anal sex. A little burn is nice. A lot of burn is painful, and everybody will be limping the next day. Okay? So just 
keep that in mind. Also, there's not um, semen is not a good lubrication. It, it it really isn't. It gets sticky. It dries out. It is not a good lubrication. And you don't want to not lubricate the asshole because, like, never said in the chat room, rectal tearing is no fun. It's also extremely bad, dangerous, no good. And in a historical setting, it's probably fatal. Because infection would set in, there would be bacteria, people would die. I mean, just, you don't, you just, be safe. Be safe in your life and be safe in your fiction. That's all I'm saying, okay? <sighs> prolapse would be very bad. Anal prolapse would be very, very, very bad. Just saying. Just, you know. <clears throat> Lube is and always will be your friend. Lube that warms up with friction is and always will be your best friend. Just <laughs> just saying. Just saying. There can never be too much lube. I don't know, like, well, like if I agree with that, because there is a point if there's too much lube, you can't keep things in the same place and stuff is sliding all around. And, you know, there's a fine line between appropriate lubrication and the slip and slide. <laughs> And sex should not feel like a slip and slide. <laughs> I'm just saying. Right. And no, you know, Ashley, you shouldn't use any kind of peppermint lotion or vapor rubs on your genitalia. Anything that gets, no, no, no menthos, no mints, um, no Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> no Vicks Vapor Rub. No menthol. No peppermint lotions. Um, because those things, um, you have a lot of um, nerve endings. And um, that would feel maybe good for like one second and then not good at all. And you can use petroleum-based products if you're not using condoms. But if you are using condoms, you have to use a water-based lubricant because petroleum degrades condoms. You don't know. Bengay is out of the question. Bengay. Bengay and any other sports creams are completely out of the question. Um, cream rinse in the shower, it's not a good idea. No. Number one, cream rinse is kind of expensive. And number two, it's not an appropriate lube. It's not going to stay where it's supposed to be. And when it comes to anal sex, you want a really thick, viscous lube that stays in place. It stays where you stick it. Yeah, Girl Scout cookies, you know, Thin Mints. Anyways, you got me off. Um, you don't want anything that's going to dry out and get sticky. That's going to cause friction, which can cause tearing and painfulness, and um, not just for the bottom, but for the top as well. Cream rinse conditioner, yes. Cream rinse equals conditioner, yes. Um, you don't want to use anything like that. You don't want to use any kind of soap or conditioner or um, anything of that sort in the shower. It, 
well, anal sex, you want to use something like boy butter or some kind of really thick, viscous uh, lubrication that's made for anal sex because it'll stay where you stick it, and that's super important because you don't want it to slide out, run all over the place, and then not be in the place it needs to be when you're ready to fuck. And this is why my show is rated R. Just saying. Anyways. Lady Holder, you're on the air. Hello? Lady Holder. She's not there. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> she might need to call back in if you can hear me. I couldn't hear you. Um, you might want to call back in. Yeah, KY um, does dry out uh, if you uh, – KY isn't the best for anal sex. I would say KY is mostly as a supplement for women – um, I just don't think it's a good idea for uh, it to be used for anal sex. Hello? Hello? There you are. Did it work I, I wasn't hearing oh, you before. Right. It was on. I wasn't... It was weird. Okay. I, um, I have... I like um, Astroglide. Yeah, I do agree with that. I like Astroglide. Um, but, yeah, uh, KY is, is... I think it's more of a supplement for women because it just kind of helps what's already there, and it's not mm-hmm. too much, so you don't get that slip and slide thing going on, which cannot, which is not good when you're a woman. And let me tell you why. Because it's perfectly okay, to, you know, things to be all slippery and good, but the first time it slips out and he doesn't realize how far he's gone, and instead of pushing back into the vagina, he slams into your clit, you will regret how much lubrication you've used. Um... Or he he just he slips and slides out of one orifice and wanders into oh, another. It's they're they're not and uh, yeah yeah and you know what I have never in my life my life bought that accidental anal sex thing. I'm just gonna say it. Uh no, I didn't either. On the other hand, I I really wasn't minding when I had uh, anal sex. So you know what whatever big deal. <laughs> Yeah, but anal sex isn't something that should happen by accident. It needs to be discussed. You need to be prepared for it physically and, yes, mentally. Um, so it isn't something it can go, oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong hole. No, you didn't, motherfucker. This is done. We're done. Get up. Get dressed. We need to have a discussion. You may or may not get punched this in the face. True. Oh, we had a discussion about it. All right. But See, I that's wasn't different. That's not a surprise. Idea. But if he's in one hole, but if he's in one hole and slips into the other, no. Also, this is a good time to tell. Yeah, for real. Mm -hmm. This is also a good time to tell some people who might not be aware of it, if you're not as experienced as maybe others. I'm going to put this out here for you. In absolutely no circumstances is it appropriate for your man to go from the ass to the vagina. 
So if you have anal sex, his dick should not be anywhere near your vaginal canal until you've had a thorough cleaning. Everything needs to be cleaned. Now, you can go vaginal to ass, yes, but you cannot go ass to vaginal. And let me tell you why. There's a lot of bacteria in the ass, and you don't want that shit in your vagina. And I mean that literally. Literally. (laughs) It will mess you up. It will mess you up, and you'll be lucky if all you get is a vicious four-week yeast infection. You'll be lucky. Okay, so uh-huh. don't know. Vagina to ass, yes. Ass to vagina or ass to mouth, absolutely not. Ew, yuck. Just saying. And also when it comes to gay uh-huh. sex, and I don't care if this is something men do or they don't care, but as a writer and as a reader of Slash Fic, you do not ever go ass to mouth. <clears throat> Yeah, that's just gross. Thanks. I don't. Don't uh-uh. go ass to mouth. And the fact of the matter is, is that yes, each of the two holes do have their own microclimates, like Chris said in the chat room. But anything that's in your vagina, depending on how you sit and how you lay, could very well end up in your anus just by gravity. Uh-huh. But from the way the asshole is placed, that doesn't often happen in the reverse. Things have to be going badly for it to, for that to happen in the reverse. Right, because the vagina sits up higher than the anus, and so when you're sitting sometimes, if you get a little wet, something's going to slide down in, and it might be exposed to your, you know, your, 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 ass, your anus might be exposed to fluids from your vagina. But it's, it would be physically rare okay, for that to happen without some kind of intervention. So just, you know, and, no, and he, once it goes in the ass, it needs a bath. And the other thing is, quite honestly, the anus is, is furled pretty tightly closed. So for stuff to actually get in from the vagina, there's some work that has to be done. Unfortunately, the reverse is not true from the anus to the to the vagina. There's a hole, and, and admittedly, it's got some stuff around it, but it's a lot looser and it does slide. Right. It's, also, yeah. young young girls, let me give you a little bit of a heads up here. Sperm moves. It moves and it has one goal. It has one job as it leaves the penis, and that is to seek out an egg. And while it is extremely uncommon for you to get pregnant this way, you should never, yeah. ever let a man do it. Do not let a man jack off on you and come on your pussy. Anywhere. It, it if you know them really well and you married him and he wants to jack off on your tits, that's fine. But, number one, this is an excellent way to give yourself an STD. It doesn't have to be oh, yeah. in your vagina to give you a sexually transmitted disease. So the only person who gets to come on you is the man who married you and you're already having unprotected sex with him, okay? So don't let some guy talk you into pulling the condom off so he can come on you. Yeah, that's bad. It, basically, the, the way to think of it is if his unprotected um, um, emissions are touching your you in any way, shape, or form, and you do not know everything there is to know about this guy and are married to him, it's a no-no. 
that's just not a happening thing. I have a fr- I had a friend in college who got herpes from letting a man jack off on her. Gross. Well, she ended up with both kinds of herpes. Oh. And there are two kinds of herpes, simplex A and simplex B, or A and B, or mouth and oral. There are oral herpes, and there are genital herpes. And mm, oh, you can also get herpes in your eyes as, as a secondary contact, yes. So um, it won't kill you, right, Chris? It but won't kill gross. you, but there are other things that will fuck you up, Um that condoms mm-hmm. protect you from. Now, her- actually, herpes, you can get herpes using a condom. So, um, because mm-hmm. if there's shedding, especially if you're the guy and it's a woman, if there's any kind of shedding, um, it can go on the testicles, which are not covered by a condom. And um, although, frankly, my friend told me that the last thing she ever wanted to do in a million years was have sex while she had an outbreak. But it does happen. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a sexually transmitted disease. And you can shed and pass this disease without looking like you have it. Um, and, like, they said, like, what, seven in ten people have been exposed to herpes in the United States? Mm-hmm. Does not surprise me. You know, the cold sore is actually a herpes. It's, it's actually uh-huh. herpes. So, Isn't yeah. So, simple? just, you know, there's don't let a guy come on you. That's what it boils down to. Ladies and gents, don't let some guy pull out and say, I'm just going to come on you instead of in you and it'll be fine. It's not fine. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely not fine. Yes, you can get herpes from kissing because um, cold sores are herpes and you can pass that shit around. And once you have it, you have it. I mean, you have it. There's There's no getting rid of that. Like my grandma would say... You don't want to get something Ajax won't rub off, and herpes is one of those things. Um, <clears throat> what was your mother doing, so, yeah. or grandmother doing with Ajax around people? <laughs> By the way, Ajax is the cleaner you use for the bottom of copper pots. It's got grit in it. It hurts like fucking hell. Okay? And I've washed the bottoms of my mom's copper pots with that stuff. Ew! Ooh. Ooh. Oh, as. Ooh. Some things that we need to have repeated. Oh. Yeah. That's just gross. But yeah, you know, so just be careful and, and, and like I said, don't let a man come on you. Um sperm has one goal. It has one job and it's and it's geared to do it and make him move fast. And, it and so and while it doesn't happen often, you can get pregnant. And also, something else. And I know you're probably not going to believe me, but this is true. When a man's penis is erect, every liquid that can come out of his erect penis during a sexual arousal erection. Now, some men can get kind of hard when they have to pee. It isn't the same. When they are sexually aroused, the only fluid coming out of their body can get you pregnant. 
There is sperm in every emission from an erect penis, okay? So don't be that silly girl who has sex with a boy who says he'll pull out and you won't get pregnant. Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. So now that I've given a sex education lecture to people who don't actually need it, just on the off chance that I have some young listener, um, oh, oh, also this, this, I'll talk about this. Um, There was a Mm -hmm. talk in the Minion about uh, blue balls and boys needing to have (laughs) sex and... um, Yes, yes. I haven't heard this in forever. I remember the first time a boy told me in college that if he didn't have sex, he would he would die and it would be my fault. And um, <clears throat> I told him to, to go back to him? his dorm and yeah. jerk off. Uh huh. I said, and then I said, if you require that I be a participant in this process, I'd be more than happy to watch you jerk off. Uh huh. He didn't take me up on my offer. I don't understand why. I would think most men would appreciate that. They spend all that time practicing. You think they want to show off for an audience? I'm just saying. I told one of my male friends that. He said... Are you just interested in watching that? Because if you are, you can watch me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, no. Oh. Some of the things they're saying oh, your the sound way. is all screwed up in your um on the um thing. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll call back in. Okay. Weird. So, did I watch my friend jerk off? Um, as a matter of fact, I did. I <laughs> because I am that kind of freak. I'm not going to turn that shit down. Um, so, yeah, I totally watched him jerk off. What? Come on. Did you have fun with that? Yes. Good. By the way, um, I don't know how many people um, actually uh, saw the link that I put up. Amazon legit has a 55-gallon drum of passion natural-based lubricant, and it is $1,400. I've seen that. It It is my goal in life to put at least a half dozen of those in a fic going to Atlantis special ordered with love from General O'Neill. See, the thing is, that's probably for industrial use. Um, no, that's, no, right? that's, it, no, it's not. That's for humans. Um, yeah, that's what I mean. No, it's porn industry. Per- yeah, probably. Apparently, or animal husbandry. Animal uh, husbandry. 
It comes with some pump top. My doctor has lube in her office. <laughs> yeah, my mine does too, but it comes in in you know um, tubes, not in you know um, one gallon you know uh, jars that they they pump. Okay, in this case, yeah, it's and there are also gallons. you're absolutely right, Sandy. There are whorehouses in Texas that probably need that, or is it Nevada? Nevada. Nevada. Nevada has whorehouses. They probably need that much lubricant. I actually, um, in one of the the uh, major um, uh, porn places, they had a behind the scenes tour, and somebody posted their pics from it. And I think I saw like four of these in a, in a row on in a hallway. I don't want to know how many they go through in a year. Oh yeah, I mean you know, and I do think they probably do, um, do use a lot of lubrication in animal husbandry because. Otherwise, it would be very difficult for the people who are actually doing it. Again, lubrication is the way. Yes. Yes. But I, yeah. I figure that would be one of those things that, you know, um, you're, you're going through your, your, your you know, list of things, and it's the resupply, and you see um, half dozen containers of personal lubricant. And you look at it and go, okay. And then you look up, and there's six 55-gallon drums. With with pump tops, with love from from General O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you boys to get any friction burns. <clears throat> yes. Oh my gosh, Rowan. The things that Chris knows. Family. Um. It's legal in well. New South Wales. Well, no wonder we never went there. My Possible. ship never went to New South Wales. Oh, I will. I'll write it. I have I have some place to write that. And there's no dare needed. It's been it's been percolating for a couple of years now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so our other topic is actually original characters and I guess why I stick them in um my work and uh when it comes right down to it a lot of times um I'll stick an O C into a place where I need a body. Um mm-hmm. which is where Sean Taylor came from. I couldn't see anybody from the Canon S G A or the S G one fitting into that slot as Rodney's personal assistant. because um, they all had their own jobs and so I needed an original character and um right. go into that spot on his own. And then of course, you know, sometimes I just do it out of just like Matthew Shepard is actually fan service because um I kept the uh I cast uh Ian Wilkes. Jensen Eccles. And when I was yeah, when I when I was casting Ian Wilkes um, there was a lot of talk about me writing for Supernatural, and I was never going to write for Supernatural, and so I thought I would use um, Jensen Ackles um, for a role, but he didn't quite fit what I wanted for Ian. So I, I went with Wentworth Miller for Ian, and mm-hmm. um, I uh, thought, okay, um, you know, but Jensen Ackles is so pretty, and I thought, oh, he has to be a shepherd, and that's where that comes from. So it's very organic. It's mm-hmm. not something that, you know, you uh, – 
if you force it, it comes out for us and it looks weird and it looks wrong and it doesn't fit. And that's why one of I think that a lot of people who have never um, watched Stargate are really surprised that Matt is an original character and he's not part of the SGA canon um, is because he's um, he's a very natural fit into the entire um, family. He just fits there. And, mm-hmm. of course, he was tailored to fit there. So... Yeah. The the fun thing is I'm rereading um Tunnels of Atlantis. So for me, um there's I'm enjoying a lot of the interaction between um Matt and everybody else in in there. And it's um he fits he he slots in and he he does a really good job of of allowing, you know, the shepherd and this unknown shepherd to, to, to capture your heart because we've all got, I mean, we all remember David, uh, from, from the show and there's, I don't like David as much. Okay. Um, but that's my bad. David is really hard. He's, he's sharp. And, and John Mm -hmm. is, um, quiet and, and hard. Mm -hmm. And so, and I needed to soften the Shepherd family, and and, and that's mm-hmm. where Matt comes from. He um he he softens them and makes them a little more human, and 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 brings their brings them down to a point where they're relatable. Um, because if you notice, especially in what might have been Matt, in a lot of ways, is the um, focal point. Of, of the Shepherd family, uh, they all kind of love Matt more than they love each other. And it's not that they don't love each other; it's just that Matt's kind of the center, um, and they're all kind of okay. Is yeah. So it's like I don't know. I can't really explain it. It's just that I Matt, wanted um, Matt is the baby of the, the family. family. Yeah, he is the baby, Matt but is- it's more than that. He's um, he has a mm-hmm. he's softer. He's um, mm-hmm. more open. He's not as sharp as David. He's not as quiet as John. He's, um, and that's especially true, I think, in Sentinels of Atlantis. Um, Matt is so open and so, um, intense. Right, Touchstone's the right term I was looking for. Thanks, Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, um, he's the Touchstone of the family. And I think in Sentinels of Atlantis, um, my favorite moment in Sentinels of Atlantis with Matt is when he punches that other guide in the face. And this is mm-hmm. a guide who has lived his whole life coddled, even though he doesn't have his own Sentinel. Is like, and he's, like, really shocked. I can't believe you hit me. I, I'm a guide. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And Matt's like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't care if you're a guide. Yeah. You know, you gotten You got in the way of my Sentinel. Yeah, you got in the way. You were, and I love I love Vala, but mostly because I love Claudia Black. Mhm. Um, and so um, I love her character, and I'm uh careful with her character as a result because I know she gets a hard time in fandom, uh, and um, so yeah, <clears throat> but yeah. I also like OCs because. 
can do things to them that I could not do to a canon character. Like, as much of an asshole as Sam was in Ties That Bind, I could not have put her in Jordan's place. Oh, no. And for her to receive the punishment that Jordan receives. That wouldn't have gone over well. No, it, no, it's, it, it's, no. So I couldn't, so I knew when I was going to go there, I had to have an original character. Um, and uh, Jordan wasn't in the first draft of Ties That Bind. I went back in my second draft and pushed Jordan in because I knew um, that I couldn't do to Sam what I wanted to do to the main protagonist. Um, she wasn't, no, it is because I portrayed Sam as someone who is basically, um, she's flawed and she's, um, ignorant Mm -hmm. when it comes to pleasure and she's, um, conflicted about her dynamic, but she doesn't, but she didn't have the brutality that Jordan had. And so I, for, for all that she did to Rodney, a lot of it was ignorance, a lot of it was jealousy and feelings of inadequacy, but she didn't have the brutality that I needed for the character to have, and so I had to make a new one. And so I pushed Jordan into my second draft um, because Sam, yeah, Sam is damaged even in canon. She's damaged in canon. Um, she has a lot of things so, to damage her in canon. Right, and so she's damaged and ties it bind, but she wasn't fucked up enough to really push what I needed to happen, and she didn't also have the um, political weight to actually get out to Atlantis. That would have made no sense. No, no one would have allowed that. And so I needed a character kind of above that, and, and that's where Jordan comes from. So a lot of times in my original character work, when I'm working in fan fiction, I have to bring in characters to do parts that I can't put a canon character in. So. Mhm. Let's see. The thing that I was never happy about with Sam is that one of the thing, major major things with canon Sam is that they did the Black Widow thing, okay? Um, I would have been extraordinarily happy if she'd been allowed to keep Martouf. Um, Because he matched her, he fascinated her. Quite honestly, he was useful. Um, And... It got I her away from always Jack thought and the, that the fawning. That Black Widow thing was kind of sexist. Oh yeah, very much so. Of course, you know the hot blonde can't actually have a relationship for one reason or another. It keeps her available to fans for fantasies and and to, yeah, to have that um, obsession, um, which. Mm-hmm. 
it, it was a disservice to Jack and her and their dynamic and, frankly, the military. Because really, at the point where he admitted he had feelings for her, he should have removed her from his team because he was compromised. Compromised. And that's the whole point but the other thing is- of not being romantically involved with your teammates. But then, you know, I ship McKay Shepard, so who am I to criticize? Well, yeah, I know. But, you know, the, the other thing but that's Sam, the way they played it. But Sam is military. Well, the thing is, is though, is he, he drew a very fine line, okay? He didn't say he was in love with her. He admitted he had feelings for her. He cared for her. And depending on how he shaved that in his head, you know, um, and how people shaved it in, in their thick, he could have feelings for her like he would for a sister or a daughter or whatever. But then, no, no, that's not what they did in canon. Over and over and over again, they baited fans with that relationship. I know. Oh, here's Sam Carter married to Jack O'Neill in an alternate timeline. And then on the, Groundhog, on, on the Groundhog Day episode, Jack kisses oh, her. Oh, my God, yeah. totally... Yep. Obliterates any everything up. thing that you could say that Jack had a sisterly feeling for Sam because uh-huh. he resigned his commission at the end of that little flip there before it flipped over just so he could kiss her. Mm-hmm. And I did all yep. of this relationship baiting over and over and over again, and it. Mm-hmm. There were there were a lot of times where you know you you, you look at that. There's one. There's the one episode where they get that memory overlay and um, uh, I don't remember the hell it's named. And I used it in the story, but the, the two memory overlays, which are the ba- they have the base personalities of Sam and Jack, were, you know, making cow eyes at each other. It was ridiculous. So, But if they were going to do that, they should have committed to it. And then, of course, there was that whole time loop episode where they actually go back in time to Egypt and there's an alternate version of the team mm-hmm. and her and Jack do get together. And then there's an episode where she's stuck on the um, one of the ships and she's having hallucinations or the alien is making her hallucinate and she hallucinates Jack and there's more kissing. Um, mm-hmm. The wedding, yeah, the wedding teaser in the episode where they're talking about, you know, movies they could make. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, they, they did it over and over and over again, and then, um, then right, when when we see her on Atlantis, she has a picture of him on her desk, mm-hmm. indicating yep. that now they have a relationship, that, you know, they're no longer in the same command, that they have a relationship, and maybe that's true. Um, I never ship Jack and Daniel. Sometimes I write it, but it's not something I ship. That's because I kind of see their dynamic um, more in the show as father-son. I do. There's a lot of chemistry between Jack and and Daniel, but I don't see it as sexual. And so while I do have them paired, like in Ties That Bind, um, it's mostly, that was mostly for my readers. Because they wanted it, and and what might have been, I didn't do it. And what might have been, I have Jack and Sam together, but Sam's a civilian, which is kind of mm-hmm. like a play on that 
thing in that in that universe where her where her and Jack were together and she was a civilian scientist. <clears throat> I'm far more comfortable with, with uh Jack and, and um Daniel. Uh the and it it's not an immediate Jack and Daniel, it's not the the first episode because there there was too much of a power imbalance. But as time went by, you know, things things got more equal. And that's when it really started getting uh, a little bit more interesting. So, I don't know. Um, Sam and and Jack, there's too much in me that says that there's there's no way in hell that Jack, who's career military, and Sam, who's career military, will ever do anything while they're under the same command. You know, it's it's just not happening. And yeah, it's just um not while they're in the same command. And putting Jack in charge of Homeworld and Sam over at the SGC, it still doesn't make it far enough away. Things you gotta think about with your chain of command. And Sorka comments that the producers apparently pissed her off after the show ended because they were asked where Jack and Sam would be in five years, and they said Jack would be in in Washington and Sam would be at home with their three kids. Now, see, here's when you know you're talking to a man because five years and three kids is not a good idea. Unless they're twins. Or triplets, which is terrible. And also, Sam's a motherfucking genius. Why isn't Jack home with three kids and she's just a fucking SGC running shit? Sexist mm-hmm. bastards. I'm just saying. Yes, but but these are also the guys who, you know, did so much to, I mean, Kayla started off as a real badass. And there were times where there was a, a great deal of Omaha, you know, and, oh, God. Frustrating. Yeah. The kids would grow up very loved and little badasses there as were. I actually um, don't think just, Jack would fuck kids up. I think he'd be a great parent. I think he'd be very an, a, a very overprotective parent. Oh my god, yes. Yes, indeed. Um but uh, I I I think he would be a great parent. They would all be real smart asses though. Mhm. You betcha. The the Jack that I'm thinking of as far as dad material is the one where it's the little girl from the world where they they had the nanite. I hate that episode. Oh, my God. They played it like five billion hundred times on the Sci-Fi Channel. I fucking hate it. I hate the episode. I I hate the Nanite episode. And you know what else I hate? I hate the Hmm. Ergo episode. Hmm. Ergo. I fucking hate that episode. Yeah. Yeah, Ergo was just weird. 
Oh, um, Hayden. Cassandra and the dog. He's yeah, very good with kids. It's, um, but yeah, I hated mm-hmm. the Nana episode. Okay, let's talk about historical fiction and original characters. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> I think that no matter what your setting is, that the best service you can do to your character is to know them very well, which is why I highly recommend if you're not um, used to creating your own characters that you build them a profile. You know when they're born. You know when they lose their virginity. You know their first girlfriend's name. You know who broke their heart. You know how they broke their heart. You know their pet's names. You know their favorite books, their favorite songs, their favorite colors, and what they hate. The more you know about your character, even if you never share it with your reader, the better you're able to create a three-dimensional person on the page. So if you know their dreams and their limitations and their mistakes and their flaws and their and their aspirations, and so just the more you know, the more rounded your person will be, and so you can create someone who's interesting and has dynamic and has their own speech pattern and has their own way of saying things and is um, vivid on the page. This is one of the reasons why I agree. This is one of the reasons why, though, you know, sometimes you look at people and, you know, people watch. Sometimes it's, it's um, to, to get an idea of what stuff looks like in real life. Go to a mall. Sit down and watch people, you know, um, because you can look at people and you don't have to hear what they're saying. You don't have to, you know, be in their conversation. But watch how they they walk. Watch their mannerisms. Look at, you know, look at all the different levels of society that walk by in a mall, okay? And, yeah, I know it's not a historical marketplace, but in some ways it can be similar, okay, especially around Christmas when it's all just insane, you know. People are primitive. Yes. One thing I would say about creating a historical character is um, keep in mind that in in, in history um, that people were defined more by their class and their station Mm -hmm. in life than they were any dream they could possibly have had. And your character will be defined by how they dress, how they feel about how they're dressed, um, what they have and don't have. The difference between a um, a king and a soldier, a knight, is huge. It's huge. What do they wear? What do they say? What do they think? Who do they value? Whose advice is important to them? Who do they hate? Um, and yeah, especially like when you're watching like those old historical movies and you see these women are all typed up and in corsets and shit, and you're thinking that has to be the most frustrating experience 
just imagine how uptight those women were, how constrained and constricted and 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 jailed they were by their own clothes. I mean, think about it. So all of these things come into play when you're dealing with a historical character. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Are they, um, are they getting a bath every day? How do they feel about that? Oh, God, no. Twilight Seeker and I, um, we go to the uh, Arizona Renaissance Fair, okay? And um, there is a lady out here who um, does – she explains how and what women would wear from basically the skin out and the layers and the amount of weight and dry this thing was maybe 20 kilos. You know, when you have a moderately high-class lady who, I mean, she's maybe, you know, mid-level aristocracies and she's wearing 20 kilos, over 40 pounds of clothes, and it's dry. God help her if it's wet, you know. I know, right? <laughs> She's not getting up without help. No, not so much. <laughs> That's you know? why they need help getting out of carriages and help getting off horses and, and help getting up and help sitting down. Can you pick up my dress so I can take a seat? Thank you. That is ridiculous. Yeah, and, you know, you also have um, the the various and sundry, you know, um, how do you you – how do you do things, okay? Um, God help you going to the loo, okay? Um, well, I think in that situation with those big dresses, they could just they could just push pull the whole thing and sit down on the chamber pot. <laughs> Actually, you pretty much walk over it and do stuff like that. I don't know. It was just, right. There's a level yeah. of just wow, you know. But Chris is saying 1930s alternate history. I totally think you can do an alternate history in 1930s. It's perfectly okay. The point is to mm-hmm. do a historical setting. I don't care what you do with your history. I think <coughs> I think even an historical steampunk would work <coughs> if you wanted to go mm-hmm. that route. Yeah, the the 1400s are are an, an anomaly. Apparently, there was that many ice age. Yes, there there the layers were there because it was cold. I'm not disagreeing on this, but when you have, um, what is it? You have a shift that it might be sewn to the skin or in, you know, to her uh, as next to her skin. Then you've got. Um, possibly a chemise, then the, the, the corset, then something over top of the corset that is another underlayer, then the underskirt, then the overskirt, then the bodice, and I'm, 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 I'm missing layers. And by the way, baths were not very often. Chris is right. Baths were, were um, yeah, there, there's, there's reasons um, why there was a period all the rage. There was a period of human history where it was believed if you bathe more than once a year, it could kill you. Mm-hmm. This explained much. This explained why pompadours came about. Just if anybody wants to know saying. what a pom- Yeah, pompadours are normally a ball of something that smells really strongly, and sometimes it was a rose, or a, a, a um, not a rose, um, an orange that was uh, stuffed with cloves, 
and you smell that instead of A, the environment around you, and B, the people around you, and C, yourself. You know? It's just, ooh. And, yeah, Capricious comments that they didn't take off their nightgowns. No, that's what their shift was. That stayed on. And then they replaced it when it rotted off. Just gross. You see, this is why I'm not one of those women who's ever said <laughs> I was born in the wrong time period. I was not. <laughs> Look, if, if even the Romans had their crappy uh, things, okay, um, their their pipes were lead, okay, um, that led to all sorts of interesting things. They even, I mean, they've got recipes where you add lead to wine to make it sweeter, okay. Which explains so much about the Romans. Yes, the fact that they were batshit bonkers is completely explained when you realize they all had low to high-grade lead poisoning. The fact that anybody made For it real. Out, you know, to birth is, amazing, is an amazing thing. Um, the Norse, yes, but you know, then you've also got all the other things that happened with that. And, yeah, they were a lot more... Um, they were a lot more in the women's rights portion of it than just about anybody for a very long time. Um, still are, actually. But didn't they also have slavery? Oh, yeah. All the Celtic clans did. Yeah. Every, yeah. I, hate to, I hate to say this, but most of, actually, most of this planet had it at one point or another. Well, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just saying that it's not, you know, I'm not sure I would want to be a Viking either. Because, let's be honest, most of us would not be a princess. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, honestly, the, the whole, um, oh, guys, since most of us are women on here, just think about the, the shark weeks that we would have. Just think about those. And remember, we would not have modern-day things. They used grass, okay, girls. They used they they put grass in their bloomers, <laughs> or rags, or now. Sponges. This is my mother is in her sixties, and she told me when she was um, first started menstruating, she was given a belt, and that belt was used to strap on a menstrual pad that went. From her, from the, and you had to hook it, get into the front of the belt, and then hook it into the back of the belt. Uh huh. I read the most disgusting page once. This where was in the. That long ago, huh? Nineteen sixty. Um. Yeah, I I. I read one page once where they they somebody was was, uh, saying that um. Menstruating women were something to be desired, and I'm thinking, no, they weren't. That was icky, you know. Not when. Oh, and by the way, ladies, remember, Catholic Church ran good portions of Europe, and they thought we were just the most horrible thing on the planet, especially when you had a baby, because you were not allowed back into church. I believe it was for six weeks after the birth of a boy, twelve for a girl, and if you died in that time period between birth and being allowed back in the church, you were buried in unconsecrated ground with all the murderers and the lepers and prostitutes and stuff. 
all because you had to die in childbirth. Which made you dirty. Yes, apparently. Having a baby was not exactly cool. And, by the way, no drugs. Um, they packed the the vagina with stuff and emphasis on stuff you don't want to know. Um, and if you survive, I, I, good for you. You get to do it again at 18. Yay! And, you know, Irish twins for the win. You know, I'm happy to be alive in this century. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, know, men might want to go back in time. Ladies, we don't want to go there. And for the record, Outlander doesn't sound nearly as sexy as it did before, did it? (laughs) Yeah. You thought that shit was sexy. Guess what? In reality, that man hasn't had a bath in 18 months. Come on. Unless, of course, he got caught out in the rain, and even then... You know, oh, and hey, guys. There's no teeth brushing. There's oh, no yeah, mouthwash. Hey, here's In reality, your clothes. Dude, Jamie would have had no teeth. Oh, and hey, no pit stop either. So, you know, he he, he, he smells of, you know, that, that nice, strong, manly smell is going to make, yeah, it, it's going to rival his sheep. Um, and Look, no way, modern woman could legitimately go back in time <laughs> and find a man from an historical setting attractive. <laughs> no. No. Oh, and guys, the lack of the soap, food, deodorant, let's, let's, lice. Yeah, let's let's not talk about you know just the body stuff. Let's talk about the food, okay? Now, no, let's look, talk about the water. Have you ever seen Back to the Future 3? No. She pours him a glass of water. Um, Marty goes back in time to the Old West, Uh and she pours him a glass of water, and it's got dirt floating in it. Uh Uh-huh. And she she considered that clean water. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, and it was, because it didn't have anything wholly objectionable, and it smelled fine. And, and guys, here's the thing. They, they brewed beer, okay, with just enough alcohol in it to all the interesting things that would kill you, and everybody drank it, okay? You watered your wine because, A, it was thick, B, it was nasty, and C, it was nasty. Um, but you needed the, you, you, you know, had the wine in your water because it killed the bugs, okay? Um, yeah, you, you, you don't do that. And then... You know, you also have, at the start of winter, your food may be pretty much okay. At the end of winter, you knock your your your, um, your bread uh, against something to make sure that any weevils that survived the baking process uh, are knocked out. And, you know, <laughs> um, you don't, you, if you have meat, it's debatable, all right? And there's a reason why the recipes from then were so strongly flavored. It was to cover things, okay? Humanity is damn lucky they made it through the Dark Ages with anything close to survivability, okay? Um, Oh, hey, plagues. Let's not forget the plagues. Let's not forget the plague, you know? Um, Let's just all agree... That the circumstances of the Outlander are not sexy. 
if I'm going to do any time traveling, I'd really rather see if I could go forward into something better than go back into something worse. I don't care if I know how to, to live through things. I would really rather go into the future, hope and pray it's Star Trek, where, you know, bathing is still a very definite thing. Yes, that's why pickles were invented, uh, because Capricious Twilight mentions if you had any greens or veg, you were lucky. That's why lots ended with rickets. Rickets was, I believe, more of an industrial um, era, uh, horrible thing. It was there, it existed, but for the massive amounts of rickets to happen, most people, or most of the time I thought it was um, when the Industrial Revolution happened and a lot of kids were sent to poorhouses and workhouses. And so they were working all day long. They never were out. Because rickets is because of vitamin D, right? Um, oh, yes. Sauerkraut, pickles. Vitamin D. No. Um, D is vitamin rickets. C is the other one. Scurvy. Scurvy C, is vitamin C. C is scurvy. Yeah. And scurvy is something that um, a lot of sailors would get. Oh, yeah. And also, also it needs to no be travel. said that all the crap that we're currently carrying in our body, we would be the equivalent of a weapon of mass destruction. If we got thrown back into time, um, there's so much crap currently in our body um, as far as, mm-hmm. like, viruses that we carry but are immune to. We would wipe out a whole village. Current. Uh, the current versions of the flu, H1N1 in Europe, a Europe that has never had it, is now a depopulated Europe. You know, um, ugh, there's just time travel sucks. You know, and yeah. Oh, hey, here's something that's not really mentioned. Okay, because you know you've taking this whole commentary and then going back to, to you know sci-fi, you get the Atlantis expedition who has, they're, they're modern humans, all right, or semi-modern humans, depending on what you want to call them, or advanced semi-modern humans, but they all have our, our load of bugs, okay? And they're going in and out of a Stargate on a weekly basis. How in the hell are they not wiping out whole planets with the flu. It's not they very well could be eat. because they don't always go back to them. Mhm. You know, but you know, still, you get—is it something on the gate that that you know inhibits you know transmission of bugs? I mean, what do you take blood on one side, confirm that this guy has has had the flu and is carrying the antibodies, and he comes out the other side and he's swept clean? Okay. If that's the case, then um, they come back to Earth and they die. Yeah, I know. So no, that's just um, hand waving, writing, because they also all speak English on the other side of the gate. I'm just, you know, put that they out there. They tried it with. They they tried to do the whole. Let's talk to the 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 people in the 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 um, uh, manner in which they're accustomed to, and it dragged. And then so they hand waved, and everybody speaks English. I don't know. Maybe I know. I know. So you go through the gate, and you you know you dial your your address. You go through, and it downloads what amounts to a vaccination. 
of whatever the people who have been going through the gate from the other side have been getting, which would stop the Hoffman thing, too. Cold. Except it didn't stop the Hoffman thing, so we know that's not how that works. <laughs> yes, Hand waving. that with them. Hand waving. <laughs> yep. Lots and lots and lots of hand waving. I do like that in Farscape, they show John Crichton getting an implant that makes him makes it possible mm-hmm. for him to understand what everybody's saying. I uh, yes. I appreciated that little quirk in the show. Mhm. Yeah, but it doesn't always work on. It does no. It doesn't always work on anything on everything because, you know, even. I I don't know if it's just that you know it's a foreign word. I mean, they they've got things that they. I don't know. Hand waving. The thing is, is that when you're writing fiction, yeah. you have to do a little bit of hand waving. Otherwise, um, you don't get um, anything accomplished. And you spend all this time on communication, and then, you know, nothing gets accomplished, and it drags, and the story moves on. And, you know. <clears throat> Stargate never, I mean, there there was so much um the the movie and the show and the hand waving and the let's patch this hole and now we have another hole and i mean it it doesn't seem to matter how much patching you do there's still going to be holes big enough that you can you know drive a mothership through Okay, so we've discussed Carter and historical fiction and original characters and lubrication. So now um, we've got 49 minutes left, and I think that's just enough time to discuss The Hobbit. (laughs) Okay. So um, how much are we going to discuss? Because um, I've been... I've been gifted uh, with, with... you know what you you've written, and I'm I'm heartily impressed with actually how different all three are. I have yeah, I did send her um, rough drafts of the three projects I'm working on, mostly because she poor mouthed and acted like I was an asshole for not sharing with her. <laughs> this is well, what happens when, you, when your critique partner can call your house because here I am and I'm trying to talk about it, and she says, "Well, I wouldn't know because I haven't read it." Just as put upon, and it was just, it was pitiful. It was pitiful. I know. So I sent it to her. Yes. I currently have Spiritborn open. Spiritborn is now 18,000 words. And Spiritborn is my time travel fic where, um, and again, I'm writing all these ones that are Bella instead of Bilbo, and I don't know why. It's just what it is. You're going to have to suck it up. So okay, um, so Bella and well, not everybody is. Trust me, um, Bella and Thorin both fail at life, epic fail, oh, and they get chewed fail. out by Eru, and they get sent back in time, and um, 
uh, and they're spirit born. They're the embodiment mm-hmm. of Mahal and Yavana, and they have mm-hmm. to do it right. They they have to make it right. And um, so by the time it comes time for uh, the expedition to the Lonely Mountain, um, they've been married for five years in secret, and they and he and they went to the elves and got training on uh, on how to use their embodiment, and they have this snarky um relationship and uh when when he comes into her when he comes into bag in and this is like my favorite part of this whole thing so far is mm-hmm. he repeats that line from canon so this is a hobbit this and she kind of rocks back on her feet and she says so this is a king <laughs> yep. and it's my and favorite then- part of the whole thing because she's like totally not you know buying his majesticness at all so no and there, there's, <clears throat> there's no majesticness to be found here because the the thing is is the, the one of the major things i like about this there's a for all the fact that in spirit born there's a great deal of power they had to learn it didn't get handed to them Okay, and that's that's right. the thing that I'm enjoying the most about it. And also, quite frankly, there's a great deal of the, the everybody else in the story who's sitting there after they pick their jaws up, you know, off the floor. Um, there's a a level of indulgence and also a level of, dude, the fuck have you been hiding? Why have you been hiding? Well, see, there's a shift. There's a shift mm-hmm. in the company because. Bella is not just a hobbit when they meet mm-hmm. her this time. Um, she's not their burglar. She's their queen. Mm-hmm. And it's it's shifted the entire company as they have to deal with the fact that Thorin has kept her a secret for her own protection um, and that she's the embodiment of the wife of their creator. And she is... Um, completely immersed in her embodiment. She's very aware of her place in the world as Thorne's wife, and she's not shy about it, and she's um, not going to apologize for it, because one of the biggest problems in her previous life was that she rejected him because she didn't think she was worthy of being a queen. And so in the last five years, she's had to work on that and just come into her own and, and be her own woman mm-hmm. and find one out of the who other she things was. That is just, yeah, one of the other things I'm enjoying about this is that um, rather than leave her ignorant of the traditions of the dwarves, um, Thorne took the time to educate her. And that's tripping up a lot of the company and the surrounding people that they run into because Bella's acting like a dwarf. And she knows her rights. There's a scene yes. where she's shopping with Ori and Nori, and um, mm-hmm. they get attacked because not everybody is pleased with the fact that their king is married to Halfling. And um, Ori's a badass because because I can um, and mm-hmm. uh, she comes back with a fistful of braids because um, after Ori and Nori killed all those guys that were fucking with her, she cut their braids off and brought them back. So the asshole who sent them would know. 
that she was not to be fucked with because she wasn't going to take anybody's shit. And she tosses them up on a table. And I, I wanted to give her that because she is the queen, and she needs to own it. And she needs to own it from the very beginning because if she doesn't, if she gives them a weakness when it comes to her her place um, with Thorne, don't run over um, it. it's only going to lead to more problems. You don't need to give them a... In so that Bella is very very badass in this. It's um the the and it's just it's just going to keep growing because the other part about this is there's there's the intrinsic respect for her being the queen. There's the respect for her being um the spirit born that she is, and then. There's also the respect that she's going to be, you know, earning just for what she does, you know. And it's going to be a very interesting um, and interesting time period. You know, I, and I wanted to give some empowerment to a woman mm-hmm. in this in this universe because there's so little of it. There's so little of it in canon and um even less of it in the Jackson movies it just um so you know i just wanted to give i don't know but um yeah i'm yeah um he is um i don't know how to say his name Th- um thrandriel thrandriel Thran- i don't know thrandriel thrandriel um, yeah he's a he's going yeah, yeah. he's going to be in for a rude awakening um Oh, Elrond trained Bella and Thorin. Oh. He spent a full year training Bella and Thorin. You know, I'm thinking about what you you you've written of of Bella's gifts. Bur and Duil, Randriel. Oh well, he's he's a dickhead. The the um. The prig, just call him that. Um, he, Brandwill. His, we'll go with that. Yeah, Thrandwill. Um, Thrandwill. Yes. I don't know how many of you guys have seen the movie, but his his palace is built into the ground, but it's built with materials that he's going to live long enough to regret building with. <laughs> I can't yes, because know, I, um, I know that one. Bella's Bella's embodiment is um is manifested with the uh ability to shape and manipulate wood. And for mm-hmm. Thorin it's metals and stone. <laughs> he no yeah. longer Oof. needs a forge to forge. It's helpful. He can use one to great benefit, but he doesn't need one. And so together they um it's it's on purpose. They were sent together to Middle Earth on purpose the first time, but they failed because he was arrogant and entitled and frustrated and vengeful and she was incapable of accepting who and what she was. She didn't she never acknowledged her embodiment. Um I don't know about Thorin. So 
So, you know, it's they're just not the same people that they were the first time around because they both had this experience. Because Thorin was stuck in the afterlife, and he had to watch her. If he married her on his deathbed in this um, AU, um, and so he has to watch his wife spend the rest of her life mourning him after he watches Balin and Ori die in Moria, and he watches his sister grieve herself into an early grave, and he watches Bella go through all of this trauma and Frodo having to take the ring because Thorin failed because they were supposed to get rid of the ring. Frodo was never supposed to be the ring bearer. And so all of this kind of piles up on Thorin, and he has to watch the whole thing. And so that when she dies, she gets berated and immediately sent back to her 45th birthday. Thorin, on the other Uh hand, had to spend 80-plus years watching the fallout from his failure. And this was important because... It's important because um, Thorin needed this life lesson. So he wouldn't come back arrogant and vengeful, and he wouldn't turn away Elrond's help because he needed it. Because who else could have fucking taught him how to handle his embodiment? Nobody. Galadriel? Um, Balin, Ori, and Oin went to Moria. We don't know. It, I don't think it's ever discussed. If it is discussed in the books, it's not something that anybody's mentioned to me, but Balin, if I remember right, is the first cousin to, to, to Thorin. And so, you know, um, maybe there was a point in time where, you know, um, Dane got suspicious and, and said, you know, uh, or, or things you got... know, maybe it isn't anything like that at all. Maybe it's because Thorin the second. Dane's son is mm-hmm. in Erebor, um, and Balin, Balin's king was Thorin, and yes, they they won the war, but they lost Thorin and Feely and Keeley, and maybe it was just too much for him, and, and he wanted a fresh mm-hmm. start, and he said, well, why the hell not? Let's go take Moria, and they do mm-hmm. for a while. <laughs> For a while. <laughs> and then it's terrible. But, and they did reclaim it for a while. Yeah. Um, so, Thorne was forced to watch all of this, the ramifications mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the life he led. And he needed that lesson. He needed, he totally needed there that was, lesson because he wasn't, um, there's a meditation of, of, Oh, there's there's a metric shit ton of arrogance um, buried yes. in Thorn because, you know, even though he had what 170 years as a wanderer, as as um, somebody who does not have a mountain of their own, even with him being in Erinland and the the um, the Blue Mountains, it's not Erebor, but he was and is a king of the line of Durin. And that is a level of arrogance that's just, yeah. So I do, I do think that um, Thorin needed that. Bella had to live with her mistakes, 
Mm-hmm. She had to live a long, she had to watch long it time with her mistakes. And she had to watch it yep. destroy, and she had to watch another war. And um, she lived an extremely long time for a hobbit, and she had to live with her mistakes. It was only fair that Thorne was forced to watch every By minute By the way, of it. in this, are you going to have the, the scouring of the Shire mentioned? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. I don't know. That's, that's very pitiful. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing about the scouring of the Shire. Who who looks at the Shire and thinks, I'm going to fuck up all these happy people? <laughs> that's just, that's a level of evil. Excuse me. Who named him Sourpuss for a reason? But you know what? There's evil, and then there's kicking kittens, okay? And hobbits are like kittens. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. It's bunnies. It's bunnies. Sourpuss made war on bunnies. It's yes, it terrible. Is. It is so terrible. <clears throat> yeah. But I do think that Thorin needed the lesson of, um, in fact, um, Dark, and one of the things that Eru berates Bella for is that uh, Gandalf was never meant to be the white, and Sauron was never meant to fall, and the ring was supposed to be destroyed in the Lonely Mountain, and that was why she, that that was why Gandalf was encouraged to get her. It was her job to destroy the ring. She was always meant to bear it. She was meant to bear it to Erebor, and she was meant to destroy it. Now, in the, in the canon of my story, the one ring is actually the heart stone of Mount Doom. There are heart stones, like the Arkenstone is the heart stone of... Uh, the Lonely Mountain. Erebor. And the One Ring is, uh, yeah, the One Ring is a um, is the heartstone of Mount Doom, and it's trapped in the form that Sauron made it. And what's going to happen is that Bella is going to give the heartstone of Mount Doom to the heartstone of Erebor. And once it does that, the Arkenstone is going to absorb and cleanse the One Ring, and it will so disappear. So, what's going to happen to One Eye? I don't know, but Mount Doom's going to explode. Well, that's always a good time. But unfortunately, most of the fucking orc army is going to be head towards Ed, um, um, Erebor at that point, so not too handy. <clears throat> That is a problem. All these names look the same. I have a big, um... You have a dictionary? I have a cheat sheet. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And and it's a really sad thing that I'm sitting here and I'm I'm thinking about all the... The, the hobbits, and it's a really good thing they all look different. You know, thank you, Peter Jackson, for making them all look different, because if I can remember who they look, you know, what they look like, I know their names. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Ori, Dory, and Nori, boy, they do look, they look so different. You know, those three guys. 
So I actually I have my cheat sheet and I have their name and then I have something about them that makes them stand out in my head. Okay. One wears the hat. That's Bofer. One has the ear horn. So I have them all, you know, right. So I separated them out. One's Gimli's dad. (laughs) Uh, Gloin. Gloin, right. Bomber's the big one. Bomber's the big one. (laughs) Bofer has the the axe axe in his head. head. (laughs) Bofer has the axe in his head. Bofer has the hat. And Ori's the cute young one with the parchment. Um, yes. And Nori is the one with the asshole oh, haircut who steals stuff. Yes. And and Dory's the the big fussy, peacock. He's the fussy. Yes, he's the, he's the very fussy. He very Dory fussy is hair. the Hobbit in hiding. He's the Hobbit in hiding. <laughs> yeah, slightly. Um, let's see. And then you've got, oh, Feely and Keely. And then, um, uh, Balin and Dwalin are easy. They're, they're very different guys. Keely is Thorin Light. Yeah, that's a distinct possibility. Yeah. You have nicknames. Zena says she has nicknames for the villains in Kira's fix. Well, Jordan is the Nancy-ass prima donna. That's just, you know, we all know him by that one. Um, Dwalin is the only bald guy, yes. Um... I like Sinna's name for Jordan. Did you see that one? Officer who thinks his dick is bigger than it is. It's actually true. That is a true story. <laughs> true facts. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I, I I listen to the behind-the-scenes stuff a lot. Um, it's It's a great deal of... Um, fun to just have running as as stuff is is going on with my day, and so the behind the scenes stuff you you start seeing a lot of um, the actors showing up in the characters, you know, and it, yeah, good guys, you know, all of them, and it's fun it's fun listening to them. You know, Chief I think any bitty dick tribe. Yeah, yes. Um, I honestly, I think Jordan is your version of um, Umbridge. We all hate him. <laughs> He's completely irredeemable, right? I mean, there's just nothing about yeah. him that you can go, oh. I mean, even when you find out his childhood's fucked up. Uh-huh. You still don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's um I don't know. Uh Jordan at least makes it out alive. 
Oh, is that a spoiler? Did I spoil them? No. <laughs> is that... Well, now, I don't think they've seen that part. You've seen that part. They haven't seen that part. <clears throat> they were saying I that, seen that, that part. Devereaux... Mm. I haven't seen that part. The last You've part seen I've that part. seen is... No, I haven't. The last part I've seen is where the the um, courtesans are all sitting there and slowly uh, putting together the fire that they're going to slow roast people on. And they've gotten out the matches. And that's oh, where right. I Oh, wait. Senna's the one who saw it. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Senna has seen it, yes, because um, there was uh, an issue with one of her characters from Tsunami Bomb. Yes. 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 That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. You're about as sorry as I am when I see stuff early. So I, I'm, sorry. I'm going to con- I'm going to confidently say that you are so not sorry. You're not sorry has no not sorries to give. <laughs> okay. What I would say is that um uh John has a reflex response. John has an appropriate response to stimulus. How about that? That's just fabulous. <laughs> Anyways, no, you know, this is terrible, but actually when I wrote that scene, I actually giggled, which also reminds me of the scene <laughs> in um, um, my other Hobbit story where Bella is – um, Fayborn, and she's in her sixties, oh, yes. and Thorin's a widower. She's in her 50s. No, she's in her sixties. She's sixty-three. Uh, you put fifty. I changed it. I put sixty-three. Okay, never mind. See, that, see what happens when someone reads like two or three different rough drafts. I had to change the. I had to change the age because I had to make Gimli um, older than he is in, when the thing starts. Gimli had to be of age, okay. and he wasn't of age. Because he wasn't of age when Bella was 50. Okay. So I added 13 years to her age to make Gimli older. Um, well, you know, shit changes. I know. <laughs> Anyways, in my, um, it's called The Shield Maiden of Erebor, and Thorin is a uh, widower, and his and he has one child, and he's, and he's Durin. He's Durin the seventh. Um and uh he's 10 years old and he gets kidnapped from Erebor and Bella finds him in the forest out in, in the shire and um she kills some people and um i i she has a very maternal um instinct drive happening with the kid and so by the time she gets to um Elrond with the kid, um, she has been descended on by two different dwarf armies, one of which is Thorin's um, people, and the other one is um, his father-in-law's um, group, and they were all looking for the kid, and orcs, because it's yeah. not a party until Azog shows up. <laughs> and then and then I did something that 
that I did not intend to do because you know, sometimes I'm a plotter. I plot things out. I have a whole plot going on, and I knew what was going to happen, and I knew what was going to happen in the scene and how it was going to work, and then she did something Let's I didn't happened. expect. And sometimes uh, it, it – what? Left field. <laughs> went wandering straight through. <laughs> And it's no secret, because I'm actually going to post this scene to my Facebook after the radio show. Um, she shoots mm-hmm. as all the, um, the defiler in the face and kills him. And you know what? It couldn't have happened to a better asshole. And it's like, boom, and they don't even know what to do with each other. They they all kind of go, they all stop. Because here's this tiny little hobbit woman. She shot the pale orc in the face. <laughs> Yeah, and everybody. And then she picks up the kid. Then she she picks up the kid and trots across the bridge into um, Rivendell and leaves the rest of them out there to fight their shit. (laughs) And that wasn't supposed to happen because Azog in my plot was supposed to basically stalk this kid all the way across Middle Earth back to the Lonely Mountain. Yeah, it's an elvish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an elvish arrow. Yeah, she's got a little bow, and yeah. So, <laughs> so that just so that happened. And when when I wrote it, I giggled. I was like, oh look, look what she did. And then I thought, I should no, no. But no, it was just great. It was great. It was an excellent introduction of her character to Thorin because this is the first time he sees her. And and here's the thing. Thorin's whole reaction is not, you know, beyond the, you know, my kid, gimme, gimme, okay, because he's, you know, his child, he's he's getting his child back. His reaction to Bella is the dwarven equivalent of, well, I'm remembering the, the, the cartoons from Warner Brothers with the, uh, big bad wolf, and he's doing the heart palpitations, and his eyes are popping out of his head, and he's just making a complete jackass of himself. There is a scene woman. where um, Bella gives Thorn the arrow she used to kill, uh-huh. and um, she berates basically everybody in the courtyard, and you know, yeah, uh, reveals somebody's treachery, and then she just walks off like like a boss. And he turns to Dwalin and says, I think I'm in love. In love, yes. <laughs> and so. Yes. There's, he's, he's I don't know. Just, I don't know if dwarves do get. I don't know if that, if that whole thing with dwarves only marrying once is canon or not. Because sometimes something is fanning so much that people think. It's just like the way it's supposed to be, and I have no idea and no fucks to give. But we can look it up. Let's do that. But it was <laughs> the first. Um, his um, his first wife was a political match. She was not his one. Um, but he respected her and he cared for her, and um, she died in childbirth. And uh, uh, so yeah. And he's not hiding that from um, from Durin either. 
No, no, he's not. He, in he, uh, as much as Thorne likes to kind of shelter and protect his son, he also does not lie to his son. Um, and he, um, if his son asks a question, his son gets an answer because he's not just his son. He's the reincarnation of Dern the Deathless. And he's already mm-hmm. recovering memories from his previous lives. And so he can't be treated just like a child because this is a boy who's been the king six times. <laughs> Durin remembers a lot. But it's in, in and from what I've been able to see, a lot of it is still um it it's by age. He's not gonna remember something. Okay. Yeah, not, it, not I'm trying at, to keep it age appropriate. I'm, I'm I'm trying to keep it age appropriate. Like he remembers meeting Elrond before. He remembers um, holding um, Arwen when she was a baby. Um, he remembers um, being hurt and being in the care of how you say her name? Gladriel. Gladriel. Um, he doesn't remember having sex as an adult. He doesn't remember being in battles. Um, he doesn't. Uh, um, he remembers um, his last words as Durin the Sixth, which was mostly a promise to himself, a um, or, or a warning to um, to his next reincarnation, uh-huh. which was um, love can't um, gold can't love you back. Mm-hmm. I love it when they give me like pronunciation guides. I I wish it helped, but I'm southern. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't help, guys. This is something the two of us have been have been dealing with for a while. It doesn't help. I'm sorry. I me and me and hooked on phonics never worked. It, hooked on phonics never worked for me. Galadriel. Gal Galadriel. Galadriel. No, I can't. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Forget it. it ain't worth it. Um, so, anyways, um, this is the uh, this is the the. Um... He remembers bits and pieces. He knows that many, many, many years before he held a baby, and he made the connection that the baby was Elrond's baby. Now the events surrounding it, he doesn't remember. Okay, because it's not age appropriate. Oh, yeah. He remembers. It's he stuff remembers like that. He doesn't hurt. remember. But he doesn't he remember actually, being he hurt. He doesn't being, remember. Yeah. The war. He, he doesn't remember being the sick. Right. You said he remembered being so, sick, and Galadriel said that that you know she she was healing him from a from a battle. All right. She supplied the the, the circumstances. He's remembering things that are not going to overwhelm or traumatize him because having I mean even the dwarves that that we meet in the company who are not true warriors did not live um lives without damage okay and so he doesn't remember the fall of Moria yet but yes. he does hate goblins he hates mm-hmm. goblins on a level um, that no one can match. 
Mm-hmm. And I did play with the cannon a little bit, and one of his reincarnations lost a wife and two children to goblins um, to give it a little bit more depth. Right. But, but yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's, a, um, he's a 10-year-old kid, and um, mm-hmm. but he's also a reincarnated king. And so sometimes it uh it's a it's a narrow path Thorn walks between raising his son and preparing his son to be king. Again. <laughs> yeah. And I think the tipping point is Bella because she has an entirely different philosophy about life and about um someone's role in um in society and um her whole her whole purpose her whole destiny is is to protect and so she knows that she knew at the moment she met him her destiny was was revealed to her as all Fayborn are and so she has to deal with that and Thorin's going to have to deal with the fact that he's been a single parent for 10 years and now there's someone in his son's life who has as much weight as him with his son and she's got the potential to be his best ally or his worst enemy. Because there is a scene early on in the fic where goblins threaten the life of Feely because they want Durin. And the goblin says he'll kill Feely, and Bella says, go ahead. You're still not getting the kid. And he says Mm -hmm. he'll kill the king, and she says, go ahead. He's not my king. You're still not getting the kid. I'll do my I'll, I'll do my I'll do my best to to save him for Durin's sake. But he's not my king. And mm-hmm. then she tells him, if it comes right down to it, she will kill every single person in a hundred miles in every direction to prevent the goblins from taking Durin from her. Granted, it will kill her too but she would gladly do it. And that's when the goblin realizes he's not going to get his way. Not so much now. Also, I I wanted Thorin to witness this so that he would know um, exactly where her priorities were. Because Legolas tells them what Bella's priorities are. He says it. But it's one thing to have it told to you, it's another thing to witness it. So yeah, so it's interesting. It's 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 interesting to write a character that way and to, and to have fun with it. And um, I don't even remember what my 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 third one is. What's my third one? No, the third the third one is the garden. Oh, it's bees. Bees and bees. Mhm. I like the idea of exploring their relationship after the fuck up. Yeah, you know where post fuck up um, when he when when he's having to um, recognize what he could have lost and um, what mm-hmm. he has to rebuild and um, 
and what the madness and the greed could have cost him. Because by the time he gets to Bella, she's already planted her nursery, and she's got two children that are almost ready to be born, and she was going to do all that shit without him. She wasn't going to go back to the Lonely Mountain. She wasn't going to reach out to him. She was going to do her thing, you know, in the Shire. She yeah. goes, these are my babies, and fuck all this. <laughs> <clears throat> yep, fuck all this and, so, and a, you know. <laughs> oh, first world problems. So I like the idea of, of exploring different relationships. And so each one of my Hobbit ideas is a different relationship. In um, mm-hmm. Bees on Her Feet, um, Thorin's having to um, make amends for his monumental fuck-up. Um, in uh, The Shield Maiden of Erebor, uh, they're all having to adjust to this tiny woman with a lot more power than she should have, uh, injecting herself into their lives in a way that none of them can really control. Mm-hmm. And then in um, Spiritborn, Bella and Lauren have, to... have this really strong relationship that they've built together in, in, in secret, and um, they are very much a team. They're a unit. They're together in every way um, because they suffered so much in the past, in the, in, in the previous timeline, that they're going to do everything possible they can do to stay together, which makes them dangerous and it makes them mm-hmm. codependent. Yeah. And really, God help anybody who um, who tries to come between them. Mm. So I don't even think the gods would help some of these idiots. <laughs> it's just you know it's just a just a different play you know just just to play on the on mm-hmm. the different dynamics of that and uh, just find it interesting and um, all that jazz. And by the way, the, there was a comment a little bit earlier about um, you know could she have planted all ten of the heart seeds or just the two. Remember, she has to. She has to nurture this. She has to. Um, she has to care for it. You don't plant anything more than you can care for. I would expect. No, because it could die. Mhm. So. I mean, you you have to. A nursery is um, is very much like a pregnancy. Um, everything planted around it provides nourishment. Um. And. The ground has to be cared for and intended to, and there has to be fresh water. There has to be enriched soil. Um, There are uh, magical substances that have to be added. She has to sow the ground once a month. She um, spends a great deal of time in the nursery, interacting magically with it in a very uh, innate, involuntary kind of way. Um, She could not have nurtured ten at once. No. 
But would she have eventually nurtured all ten of them? Yes. Absolutely. They would have eventually all been been cradled. Absolutely. <clears throat> and you then once you the have term cradling you use the what? term cradling, by the way, in in um the spirit born one. Yeah. I did. Yeah. So. Because um, yeah, that's because of the sex thing. I don't want to have mm-hmm. to explain away the, um, while she's not getting pregnant. Yep. So, anyways, yeah. <clears throat> I think mm-hmm. that if you have um, ten heart seeds, you're kind of holding these babies in um, in your heart and. I think the excuse um I think if you can nurture them there's no reason why you wouldn't. And Bella nurtured her first two because she wanted part of Thorn back and she didn't know if she was ever going to get him back from the madness and she'd had no news from Erebor and she was like fuck this and I'm going to do this and you know, I'm going to have my babies and <laughs> That's the end of that discussion. Uh-huh. Somebody get me some water. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, so that's what she did. <laughs> yes, there will eventually be eleven um um Thorns carrying one. Would I write all Actually, eleven? That's no. not the one I was talking about. That's not the one I was talking about. I was talking about the one that's running around the Shire currently. Oh yeah, oh well there are twelve. Yeah, um there are twelve Dwabbits currently, because there is um, there is a Dwabbit already in the Shire, um, um, but Thorin's carrying a heart seed. He's carrying their only girl, and um, I think that when when they get to Erebor, um, Bella will do um, will nurture that heart seed um, with the people of Erebor. Uh, the person who carries the heart seed doesn't have to do the nurturing. Usually what what I did with the um with the canon of the cradling and the nurturing is that there is usually one nurturing parent. We discussed historical fiction early on. Mhm. We did. Like it was it uh, was in between lubrication and original characters. <laughs> we got so gross. <laughs> Uh, okay, remember folks. And I have to say, um, the first 15, 20 minutes of the show this evening was probably the most pornographic I've ever gotten on the radio show. Yes. Remember, if it's if it's food safe, chances are good it's okay to use for lube. But, you know, if it's menthol-based or mint-based, probably not a good idea. Lubrication that you use for things like um, WD-40 or your car is a no-go. It doesn't go in, and it's not, you know, lube that you want to use. <laughs> Historical is great, but they didn't bathe. The food was nasty. It, their, you know, madness abounded depending on where you went. And, you know, the the the, the, be, the body odor and, and just the general um, slovenliness um, would be... <laughs> and we all it, agree it, that the Outlander yes. is not sexy in reality. No, no, not so much at all. Um, 
Gun oil does not double as lube. This is incredibly true. Unless it's the lubrication actually called Um, gun oil, and there is one. Yes. If you buy gun oil from a porn store... I for for anal sex I highly recommend boy butter. Just saying. Yes, that one works. Um or original characters, you know, make sure to take the time to actually write down all the things you know in your head about your original character. Look and watch people to see how pe- real people actually do whatever quirks you're you're putting for your characters so that way it actually feels real. Um Kira has three Hobbit fics that are just absolutely wonderful. You'll read, you know, um, we'll see on Velocity. That Um, needs to be repeated. No ass to mouth and no ass to vagina. Ass to vagina. Yes. If it goes in the ass, it goes nowhere else without a thorough cleaning. This this includes the cock or a dildo or a plug of some kind. Just to be clear, it's, it's, it's not just a penis. Any any object that goes in the ass does not go in the vagina can... without a thorough washing. Yes. Please be Including fingers, be absolutely. Yes. Brush your teeth, too. If you're going to do anything with your, your mouth and an ass, because, you know, just be... Well, yeah, let's just let's just make that our motto. Our motto is from this day forward: no ass to mouth. <laughs> and if you need a fucking reason for that, I am disowning you. The ass is its own. The ass is its own private playground. If you play there, you only play there. You cannot share. No ass to mouth. That's minion motto number 10, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. The first one being, Kira has no fuck done. to give. And on that note, we're down to 30 seconds. You guys have a great weekend. Be safe. Be careful. Use appropriate lube. And remember, <laughs> no ass to mouth. Say good night, Lady Holder. <laughs> good night, Lady Holder. Shut, Shut up, up and sit down. down. During May Memorial Month, now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit BillPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on a free credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. <laughs> 
500 vehicles to sell, 500 ways to save. One month only at Phil Penny Mitsubishi during May Memorial Month. Now through May 31st, we will accept your credit application. A $200 down payment and a $350 a week paycheck can get you a new Mitsubishi. Don't forget, every new vehicle comes with our 10-year unlimited warranty. You can win 5,000 with our 5K test drive giveaway. Visit PhilPennyMitsubishi.com. To qualify buyers on a free credit, warranty valid through 10-year ownership on new vehicles only. One entry per household per month. Must be 21 with valid driver's license and insurance. See dealer for details. 